Well, welcome back wherever it is that you are streaming from. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Um, a couple things I want to talk about as we get rolling into the sermon this morning is, number one, um, in light of what we talked about last week, and if you weren't traveling with us as a church, last week we spent a good amount of time, in fact, the entire sermon time, talking about um, what happened with George Floyd, uh, racism, uh, systemic racism, the gospel, how Jesus um, has to do with all of that and how his uh, desire is for justice, uh, his desire um, is for us to see each other as one. Um, one of the things that we've acknowledged and we understand is that many of you have reached out and said, man, I'm so thankful that you talked about this. Um, now, <clears throat> what do I do with all of that? And uh, for some of you, when I say that, that's frustrating because... Uh, especially if you are streaming right now and you are black and perhaps your thought is, man, I have been saying what should be done or what to do uh, for years now. And let me tell you, on behalf of white folks, um, we acknowledge that we have not been the best listeners. In fact, it's taken an extraordinary amount for, for many of us to wake up to the realization. But for those of us who you are at the point where you say, okay, I need to take this from what I would say is a moment in my life, to a movement in my life. I need to take this from something that is a realization of now to I need to actually put some action, some deep actionable steps into this. Next week, um, we are going to launch something that I think is going to be extremely helpful um, for our church. Now, this is not for everybody in the world, but we do feel a sense of responsibility to say, how do we as a church take this from simply a moment that many of us come to this realization to a movement? And to clarify the civil rights movement has been a movement for a long time, but for some of us, this movement is just beginning in our hearts and our minds as we have become awakened to the injustice. And so we want to help put some really clear, actionable thoughts and ideas and practices that we can start immediately. So next week, we're going to unroll a lot of that. And so I just say, um, if you paid attention to last week and you're trying to figure out what does this look like in my life, um, tune back in next week. And I promise you, you do not want to miss um, what we have planned, specifically as we feel a responsibility to shepherd and pastor and guide this local church, downtown community church. So that being said, let's pray as we hop back into our broke series. Jesus, I pray and I ask as we spend this time together in your word, that you would help each and every one of us to hear from you, to learn from you, that we would be closer to you, following you more. Whether it's our first time in a church environment like this or whether it's our 500th or 5,000th time that you would make today unique and individual to each and every one of us. And it's in Jesus' name we all ask this. Amen. So we have been tracking as a church through a series called Broke, and it's about God and money. It's, it's really simple. It's about money and God, God and money. And every time I say that, I feel the need to qualify that thought with what many of us have heard in church spaces is real simple. We've heard two things, basically, which were the summary of the sermons that we have heard as we've heard about God and money. Um, the first one is this, <clears throat> don't love money. Don't love money. Money is evil. Don't love money. And the other one, which is kind of, you know, ironic, is so give us your money. <laughs> don't love money. Give it to us. Don't love money. Give it to us. And perhaps you've heard those and thought, you know, I just don't know that that sits well with me. But the problem is, is if you've read the New Testament, in fact, if you grew up in church, you knew this, that Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven and hell combined. Jesus talks about possessions, he talks about wealth more than almost any other subject in all of the Bible. But what's frustrating or what's interesting 
is in all of his conversation and discourse, he almost never says, give it. Because the words of Jesus are so incredibly important, but unfortunately in church spaces, we have taken the words of Jesus and minimized them to basically just say, don't love it, give it. Don't love it, give it. Don't love it, give it to us. And we promise we won't love it either. Now today, we're going to be talking about some verses that I think are some of the most confusing verses as it relates to God and money. They're the verses that you've probably heard before and you've thought about before and perhaps felt a little bit of conviction, but there's something difficult about these verses. Because in the first set of verses we're going to read, this is what we're going to read about a principle that God has that is principally in opposition but not functionally in opposition. It's principally in opposition, not functionally in opposition. If you don't know what that means, let's read it together and we'll kind of discover this at the same time. So Matthew chapter six, Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount. This is his probably most, most well-documented oration of, of a sermon that Matthew has taken and written down. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is what he says. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moths nor rust destroy, where neither thieves break in and steal. And he says this in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. i got to be honest. These are really difficult verses for me. But it's not difficult because... It's about money, or it's about storing up treasure in heaven. It's difficult because when you read most of the Bible, and the Bible says this is what you should do, the this is what you should do is in opposition to this is what you shouldn't do. They are both principally and functionally in opposition to one another. In other words, when the Bible says, you know, basically, do not hold a grudge but forgive. Do not hold a grudge but forgive. You can't. Hold a grudge functionally and forgive functionally at the same time. You either forgive or you don't forgive. But there is one of two actions. Last week we talked about Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. Paul says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. The idea of selflessness is in functional opposition to selfishness. In other words, you can't be selfish functionally and selfless functionally at the same time. But here's the problem with Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. When Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasure in, on earth, store up treasure in heaven, there is no ACH number to heaven. You ever think about that? You can't just say, okay, I am not going to store up treasure on earth where moths and rust destroy. I'm going to store up treasure in heaven. <clears throat> and so I'm going to go into my bank account and I'm going to make sure that there's a transfer you know, function that happens. And I'm going to transfer money to heaven. That I'm going to store it up in my heaven bank account. Principally, we would acknowledge the wisdom of what Jesus is saying that we're supposed to not be of this world, but be of e eternal principles in world. But then what do you do with that? And to me, the really difficult part is then he says, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <laughs> it's like, 
Well, if I could just transfer it up there, then that would be a lot easier. But I have it here, and there's not a functional difference. And here's what some people will say. Well, the functional difference is you should make sure you're giving. You should make sure you're giving. Say, yeah, that makes total sense. You should give. Generosity does help to unlock the doors and kind of open up the, 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 the clenched fist that we can have. But let's be honest. Most of us, kind of the gold standard for giving is 10%. Isn't this true? Some of you can give 10% and you can still store up mammoth treasure on earth. Like you can give 10%, but your earning potential, your income, you can, you can store up, I mean, just massive storehouses here on planet earth. And you're giving stuff away and you're giving some away. But, but the reality of what your earning potential or your family's earning potential is this, is that you have the ability to earn so much. Shoot, you can give away 50%. And even in giving away 50%, you could still store up mammoth treasure on earth. And here's what I think just fascinating about money. It's really unique to money. Money is incredibly subjective. For some of you, storing up treasure on earth would be 10,000. But for those of you who make a million dollars a year, that's nothing. For some of you, storing up treasure on earth would be 100,000. But for some of you, again, who just made payments in mouth, that's, that's nothing. But for some of you, that would be a wild amount. In fact, here's what you should know about wealth. Um, we define rich by someone who makes approximately double than what we do. So if you make 50,000, someone who's rich makes 100,000. If you make 100,000, 200,000. 250,000, 500,000. It is incredibly subjective, and it's difficult to define. And there is no functional, it feels like, application to what Jesus is saying. Let me kind of make this problem a little bit deeper. For many of us, when you fulfill the calling that God has placed on your life, let's say he's called you to be an accountant. He's gifted you with this mind that functions in the world of finance. I mean, you just love counting all the, the nickels and dimes and pennies, and you're phenomenal at it. I mean, you can track everything. You can look through the historicals of some company, and you can see where everything went and where everything's going and how everything flows. I mean, you can just break this thing down. And the Bible calls us to do everything as if serving the Lord. And as you're doing what God has called you to do as if serving the Lord, in other words, you're doing with the utmost passion and excellence and desire that say, I am going to honor God with this work. Isn't this true? That when you do that, oftentimes you make more. It's not universal. It's not prosperity gospel. It is the natural cause and effect. When you do your job really well, you are more likely to make more. But when you make more, it moves in how much you should or you shouldn't store, or does it? And the truth is, it gets really vague, it gets really ambiguous, we're not exactly sure what it means, and we're not exactly sure what we should do with it. And so here's what I'd say all that to say this. If at this point, it seems weirdly confusing, I would say then perhaps we're missing something. Perhaps there's something that Jesus is trying to teach us, that's a little bit deeper than the surface. And I think what Jesus is trying to teach us comes in the very next set of verses. And let me pause before we read it. If you have ever read these verses, these probably seem like the weirdest thing that Jesus can say next. Because usually we used to say in Jesus saying, okay, here's some stuff about money. Here's some more stuff about money. Jesus just turns into a weird word picture 
that almost seems like he's just, you know, he's talking and maybe Jesus is a little ADHD. And he's like, yeah, money, 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 squirrel, you know. He's just, he's looking and he's talking and he's talking and then he just goes off track. So here's what Jesus says next as he creates this word picture. Finish verse 21 so you can kind of get the transition. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? (laughs) We're like, Jesus, what? Like, dude, that makes no sense. Like, you were just talking about money, and now you're talking about the eye and the light. And and even the first part of that kind of makes sense, but then you just flipped it on its head at the end. But here's what Jesus kind of begins to transition into. Your eye, they would use this imagery, is like the lamp of your body. In other words, when your eye is working well, your entire sight, it's like, it's like they would say that this light is coming in and just illuminates everything. It makes everything make sense that when your eyes work well, you can see light well. In other words, when your focus is good, it makes everything else in your body good. He says, now pause. If your focus is bad, if it's darkness, if your eye does not function well, if the focus of your life and your heart's attention is not good, then it makes everything else bad. Now, to this point, we would say, yeah, no, I agree. That makes total sense to me. If the light, if your eye is good and it's focused on good stuff, then it's going to have good, you know, receiving and good understanding and good focus and good intention. If it's bad, that it's, you know, not good, <laughs> the converse of that. And then he says a statement at the end of this that we already read that's just, it's, it's honestly, he, Jesus was an incredible communicator, but some, like, sometimes I'm like, man, can you just say that so we all, all us people on the normal, you know, bell curve of IQ can understand what in the heck you're talking about? Because he says this, if the light, if then, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, let me peel back a little bit about what Jesus is saying. If the light that you think is darkness is in fact darkness, then how great is that darkness? Because you don't realize, I don't realize, we don't realize that that darkness that we thought was light is really darkness. In other words, we don't have the self-awareness to realize that our focus is bad. How great is the darkness that doesn't have the self-awareness to realize it's darkness. If what we think we see is light, what we really see is darkness, how difficult is that to overcome because of the fact that we don't know there is something to overcome. We haven't acknowledged the problem that we need to fix. And here's why I think that matters so much and totally flips what Jesus is saying on its head. Storing up treasure on earth verse in heaven has little to do with the actual storing as much as it has to do with the focus of the resources that we have. Let me say that again. It has very little to do with the storing because, again, there is no functional opposition, but the transition that we need to make is that we go from storing up treasure on earth with our focus on ourselves. He says, store up for yourselves treasure on earth to the other side of that which is that our focus of everything we have now becomes 
God. You see, isn't this true? That life and money and what you have, the assets that you have are far more than the liquid assets that are in your bank account. If you're not a finance person, let me explain what that means. Your house, your car, the things that you have that are of value are probably of greater value than the actual cash that you have. And I think here's what Jesus is communicating. There's a difference between the people who their entire focus of their life is to say, God, what I have, you have given me to manage. I am a manager of what you have given me, and I'm going to focus the attention of all of my assets on how do I glorify you towards eternity best. If I was to juxtapose two different ideas, some of us work out. Well, some of us used to work out. But there's some of us, you know, you, you kind of work out and you generally try to do a decent job of eating and drinking water and you did some cleanse at some point in time and you told everybody about it and you didn't even continue to do it past the 30 days. So we get it. It's life-changing. It's so life-changing it didn't even sustain your life. But nonetheless, you know, you, you kind of did this thing and now you drink more water and you eat leaves, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so healthy, you know. But, but you basically kind of try to integrate this as a part of your life. One of my favorite things that happens every four years, and it got put off this year, is the Olympics. And if you look at how an Olympic athlete trains, this is the focus of their entire life. Like everything they eat has a purpose. Everything they drink has a purpose. Their training is on purpose. How much they, they pay attention to how much they sleep. They pay attention to what they do in their rest time. They pay attention to all kinds of, I mean, I mean, the little nuances of life. Everything revolves around the singular purpose of competing as a world-class elite athlete. What I think God is saying to us this morning is that for many of us, we need to wake up to the realization that we think our lives are focused around Jesus but the truth is, is we're like a weekend warrior at the gym when God's calling us to be an Olympic athlete. But how great is that darkness when we don't even realize that our focus is misplaced? How great is that darkness when we don't even realize that what God has called us to is not simply to give, it's to say, how can I leverage everything in my life focused around Jesus? Man, you've got a house, you've got an incredible house. How can you use it? How can you bring people in? You've got a gift. You've got a computer. You've got creativity. How can you use that? How can you focus that to make an eternal difference? You've got a car. How can you focus that? How can you love people? How can you help people? How can you serve people? You've got free time. How can you use your free time to love, to serve, to help people? You see, the difference is is that many of us have some type of a, we have margin in our life and we just generally give to God whatever percentage we think we ought to give and the rest is for us. When I think Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You have all of this stuff and it's all focused around eternity. It's all focused around me. And here's how we know that. We have a God who so loved us, he did not decide he was going to give us the margin. He decided he was going to give us everything when he gave us his son. And isn't this true? That the reason we give everything back to God and focus everything back to God is because he first gave everything to us 
in his son, Jesus. Now, he's not done in his discourse on money. I think he just kind of wanted to make a point there to say this next last thing. So no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, what's interesting, a couple of things about what Jesus has just said. First, it's that he... He gave us one command, which is don't store up. But the rest of what he has to say in the rest of these verses are not commands, they are observations. When he said, where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be, that wasn't a command. That's just saying, hey, this is a principle. You want to look at where your heart is? Look at your transaction history. Look at what your treasure is. Look at what you do with your treasure. You say, your heart's for me? Okay, let's see what your bank account says. In fact, isn't this funny that many of you have, have over the last couple weeks started to actually record your transactions. I just say, look at it and see where your heart is. It's an objective analysis. Talks about focus. And he ends by saying, let me just give you another observation. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can serve God and money, but not as master. You can try to say, okay, I'm going to do some God stuff, I'm going to do some money stuff. But, but the master understood in their context that this was, you were singularly, you were fidelitally fledged towards one thing, one person, one individual. He says, okay, so you will either serve God and your money will be subservient to you, or you will serve money and your God will be subservient to you. This is an observation. And isn't this true? In fact, if you don't hear anything else, here's what I want you to know about today's entire sermon. You will either serve God and use money, or you will serve money and use God. You will either serve God and you will use money, you will serve God and you will say what you have, your assets, your money, your wealth, you will either serve God and say, how can I leverage what I have for God and for the kingdom of God, or... We will serve money, and we will do our best to leverage God. This is why whenever anything negative financially happens to us, we say, God, why is this happening to me? Because in unknown ways, in below-the-surface ways, in darkness that we thought was light ways, we have unknowingly started to serve money and leverage God for us to have more money. And we would never think about it in that context. And you would never, and I would never think about it in that context. But whenever things go south financially, isn't it true? We said, God, why? God, how? How could you allow this to happen to me? And it's because we all have a tendency, because money is right in front of us, and we've got to do something with it. We can't ACH it to heaven. We have a tendency to serve money, and to use God. In fact, let me give you one more, I guess, elaboration of that. We will either serve God and use money to love people who he loves, 
Or we will serve money and use God and use people he loves. Here's one of the things I think that we fight specifically. In fact, as many people have talked about the current cultural moment that we're in, in the middle of the the COVID-19 pandemic and in the middle of everything that's happened with the, the murder of George Floyd, of the oppression and the racism that exists in our context, in our country, and in our world, isn't this true? The beginning of it, it was people who decided to serve money and leverage God and use people. It is at the core of so much of the difficulty and the dysfunction that exists in our world today. We have a tendency. All of us have a tendency to instead of saying, God, everything revolves around you, say, God, I'm unaware, but everything revolves around me. So here's what I want you to do with this sermon. And in fact, to be honest, the application is the really difficult part to this. Because in most sermons, if it's about forgiveness, it's so forgive. So just so that person that you're holding on to, that thing that you're holding on to, that relationship that's so difficult, I mean, I want you to, th- I want you to go and I want you to pray for that person. I want you to forgive them whether you tell them or not. You know what I mean? There's, there's, this is the thing that transcends everybody. But for this, again, because money is subjective, because wealth is subjective, because income is subjective, because assets are subjective, it makes it very difficult to say, so this is exactly what you do. But here's what I know about you. You are smart people. You are very smart people. You know when your focus is good and you know when your focus is bad. You know when your entire life revolves around something and you know when it doesn't. And I know you're creative people. You're people who, if I were to pigeonhole and say, so this is exactly what you should do, isn't this true? I would minimize the potential because you know your individual situation and scenario. You know your individual gifts and your talents and your abilities. In fact, you know things. You have the creativity to think, man, of things that I would never, ever think about. And what's incredible is some of you have done this. Some of you have opened up your homes Some of you have opened up your lives. Some of you have have had groups in, have had dinners in, have had people in. Some of you have taken your creativity, you have taken your marriage, and you've just opened it up. You've taken everything that you have and say, how can we help and how can we serve? And here's the truth. People in our church, you know who those people are because you've seen it. You've seen the mentors. You've seen the couples. You've seen the individuals who leveraged their life for a kingdom and an eternal impact. And here's all I'm saying. What a beautiful, what a powerful picture it would create if the entire church did that. I do not know what you have. I do not know the skill set you have. I do not know the assets that you have. I do not know the wealth that you have. And frankly, I don't care. Because what I do know is at the end of the day, when it comes to God and money, It's not that God is by any means after your money. Because if God was after your money, he could take it. He's God. I think perhaps God is after our heart. 
I think perhaps God wants our heart to be for him. And he knows that money can be the chief competitor for our heart. And yet in that desires us to, as he has captured our heart with his love, to use it to serve other people. So what do you have and how can you help? What do you have and how can you help? What do you have and how can you help to love and to serve people with whatever you have, no matter how much you have? I'm praying that God turns us into a church that has an elite level of focus around his kingdom and his glory. I'm praying that God uses us as a church, as a group of people who takes whatever we have and leverages everything we have to love and to serve our neighbors as ourselves. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask and I pray. As so many of us have had a feigned view of a focus that we gave something, we did something, we helped somewhere, and the rest of our lives were for ourselves. But Jesus, for you, it was never about an amount. It was always about our heart. That the way that we store up treasure in heaven is by leveraging our treasure on earth to love and to serve the people whom you died for. And in that, we will be a light, an unmistakable light, a selfless light, a generous light for the entire world to see. I pray that you give the wisdom, the insight, and the creativity to know what to do with what we have, and then the courage to do it. Because Jesus, everything we have is yours because you first gave everything to us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.